Hello everybody, this is Parashas, Parashas Vayetze. And the parasha begins with the words, Vayetze Yaakov in Be'er Kharana. And Yaakov left, he went out of Be'er and he went to Kharan. And Rashi on the spot comments, you know, why does it say Vayetze Yaakov? Why is it relevant where he left? He's going somewhere. What's the point of mentioning the fact that he's leaving? Rashi brings a famous Chazal that this teaches us, Sheyitziyas Tzadik Min Hamakim Oyserosham. When a tzaddik leaves a place, it has an effect. There's a loss to the place. When a tzaddik leaves, things aren't the same anymore in that place where he left. There's a, a roisham, there's an imprint of the difference between when the tzaddik was there and once he's left. And that's what it's teaching us. Yaakov, Yaakov left, and Beresheva didn't look the same. The Kleyakar asks a question. He says in Rashi, he says, it's interesting, you know, Yaakov is not the first tzaddik mentioned in the Torah. Avram, Yitzchak, there's Noach, there's Adam. Why don't we say that when Avram Avinu left his town of Orkazdim, that Vayetze Avram may Orkazdim? Why does it wait to teach us this message by Yaakov? And he gives four different answers. One of them, he says, is because here, when Yaakov left, it's different than when Avram left. It's different than when Yitzhak leaves. Because when Avram leaves, when Yitzhak leaves, there are no other tzaddikim there in that place besides them. When Yaakov leaves, Yitzhak's still there, Rivka's still there. Even so, the place looks different. Even so, everyone looks different. And that's why Rashi came to teach us specifically here, that Yetzi Yaakov, that even when only one tzaddik leaves, and there may be many other tzaddikim left behind, still there's a ration, still there's a difference, still it's noticeable. Every tzaddik makes a difference. Every tzaddik adds. That's a Kliyakar's shot. I remember hearing a different shot once, which is that Yaakov is different than Avram Yitzchak. Avram Yitzchak were tzaddikim, at the point where they were going out there, they were doing Kirib. We talked about Yitzchak, eventually started doing Kirib as well. And it was more obvious that they weren't there in a certain place. You know, there was, signs were down, there weren't these Thursday night Mishmars. Things were, weren't happening as much. Yaakov, Yaakov is someone's Ishtam, Yeshiva Halam. He sits in his kill over there and he learns Torah. And who knows if he's there or he's not there. And the Torah tells me, no, it's not true. But Yitzchak, Yaakov... There's a Roshim, the town looks different. When Yaakov's not sitting there in his tent learning Torah, the town's going to look a little different. Every tzaddik, the tzaddik who sits there and he learns Torah and he does mitzvahs and he serves HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it affects the town even though they can't see it, even though they don't notice it. It's there, the effect is there. When he leaves, that's missing. And that's why Torah waited specifically by Yaakov to teach us this lesson that even Yaakov, who didn't see this by openly, but the point is his Torah, his Kedusha, when it's missing, it makes a difference. Yaakov goes, and he goes to sleep, and he has a vision, he has a dream. And he sees a ladder. Hine, Sula, Mutzav, Artsa, there's a ladder that's Mutzav, Artsa, it's on the ground. And its head of the top of the ladder is in the heavens. They go up and they go down. And the Mefarshim, the Kadmainim, the Alright, many, many, many deep, deep Yisraelis of, of Kabbalah, you can call it, that were being revealed in this Mare HaSulam. But on a very practical level, the base Kelm, the altar of Kelm, Simchaz Yisrael Ziv, he explains, what's going on here is very simple. Yaakov Avinu spent the past over 60 years of his life sitting and learning and growing in Avadis Hashem, spending time again, another 14 years in Shein Ve'ever, learning more and more and more. And now all of a sudden he's out and he's down and he's going to be stuck for the next at least 20 years working in Lovan's house, dealing with crooks, 
trying to make sure that Lavan doesn't steal everything he has, trying to raise a family. He's going to be dealing in very, very physical things. And Yaakov can, can have a crash, so to speak, feeling like I'm really hitting rock bottom. You know, what happened to those days when I was in yeshiva? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing him a vision. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing him a sulam. There's a ladder, which is mutz of arts. It's very much firmly planted in the ground. Veroishoy, though, is magia hashamayma. It's high, it's top, it's head, is in the heavens. And how does the ladder work? It works with rung by rung. The more a person takes his day-to-day activities, but his ladder is pointed to magia hashamayma, to do the right thing, to do a Baruch Hu's will, then every step he takes in this ladder, Mutzav Arza, will bring him up closer and closer to Akash Baruch Hu. He gives a mashal. He says, a zero is, it's insignificant. It's a zero. It's nothing. Two zeros is still nothing. You put a one in front of the zero, it makes all the difference. A person can spend his whole life busy with mundane activities, and they mean nothing. But if he has his ladder pointed up to Shemayim, if Roshem Agiyah HaShemayim, then every single one of those zeros adds up and it brings him higher and higher and higher and closer to Gash Baruch Hu. And that was the vision that Yaakov was being given as he's going in. And eventually Yaakov used these 20 years to build the Shifte cut, to build Klai Yisrael, and to build the future of the world. Yaakov Avinu comes to Charon and he comes and there's a bunch of shepherds sitting by the well and there's a huge rock on top of the well. And he asks them why they're waiting, why don't they just give the sheep to drink and move on. And they tell him, look, this rock is huge, we have, a, we have to get everyone together. Eventually, they'll, we come together and strong enough, we'll pull off this rock off the well. And Rachel comes, Yaakov says, Rachel, and Yaakov comes and he takes the rock and he takes it single-handedly and he flings it off the well. And simply put, it seems like a, a, you know, an, you know, a way of showing some strength. Rashi says, teaches us says his kayak was strong, was large. But why is this relevant to us going forward to know that Yaakov Avinu one time you know, pulled a big rock off a well? And especially when you look at the tefillah, we say tefillah's geshem, which we say on Sukkot, after Sukkot, which we at Saras, we ask Hashem to give us rain. And the piyot that we say during tefillah's geshem, it goes through each of the avos and invokes their schus for the merit for us to have geshem, to have rain. And when it comes to Yaakov, it says as follows, as Zohar, remember, Ta'an Makloi, the one who picked up his staff, the Ovar Yardin Mayim, and crossed the Jordan of water. Yichad Lev, he was miyachid his leave, he focused his heart. Vigol Evan mi Mayim, and he removed the stone from the mouth of the Be'er Mayim. So it seems like we're invoking the schus of Yaakov's removing of the rock from the well that should be a mirror for us in the future, his descendants, to have water, to have Geshen. What's going on? How is this? Yaakov was really strong, you know? That's why you should give me water. What's going on over here? So Sichas Muslim Chayr Shavuz explains that the beginning of the P, it says, Yichad Aleiv, V'gol Evim, Hibit Mipi Be'eramayim. Yaakov, the way Yaakov did it, it wasn't because Yaakov said he was physically stronger. It was Yaakov had an incredible kayak, he had an incredible ability to be miyachet his leave. Yaakov was able to focus his mind and his heart on something and get it done. Yaakov understood what had to get done, and he, nothing could stop him. Yaakov wanted to learn as much as he possibly could in his yeshiva of shame behavior. He wanted to spend 14 years protecting himself from the effects of love on going forward, and he wanted to learn nonstop. What did he do? He didn't sleep for 14 years. 
How's that possible? So yeah, even if it means that he didn't go down to lay down to sleep, he just collapsed over his standard, but still, how does a person do that for 14 years straight? Says Rechayim Shalavitz, it happens because a person has the ability to be miyachid his leiv. He can set his mind to do what has to get done, and he gets it done. And that's the schus of Yaakov that we're invoking. Your Yaakov is someone who's yichad leiv, v'gal evem, ermayim. He's someone who has that ability to decide this has to get done, this rock has got to come off, doesn't make a difference how big it is, and he goes and he gets it done. And that's a schus that we should try to have in ourselves is that when we decide that something has to get done, because Baruch Hu, you know, something's required, we have to get ourselves and to miyachid our leave and to find that strength inside us to make it happen. The Pasuk tells us that Yaakov has a conversation with Lavan, and he, you know, he wants to work for him. And Lavan tells him, look, tell me, tell me your price, tell me what you want. Lavan first tells him, no, you, you can't work for free. Yaakov says, Yaakov loved Rachel. He said, I'll work for you seven years for Rachel, your daughter. Okay? Lavan says, great. The Pasuk says that Yaakov worked for seven years. And they were in his eyes like singular days, like seven days. In his love for her. And the first struggle, if someone loves something or loves somebody, they can't wait to get married. They can't wait for that moment to happen where they can be united with them. How could it be that Yaakov is the one who stipulates, you know, let me work for you seven years, and then I'll marry her. He's the one who gives himself a seven-year wait period till he marries. He doesn't say, let me marry her, then I'll work for you for seven years. And not only that, during the entire seven years, it's kiyam machadim, it's like days are passing by. It's not like seven years, it's time's flying. How does that make sense? So the Malvim explains, and Leva Yo talks about this, they all say the same idea over here. We're talking about the obvious sectation. We're talking about our forefathers, people who are the resting place of the in this world. When it means that Yaakov loved Rachel, it doesn't mean a simple physical desire or lust for somebody. Because otherwise, yeah, every second makes it more painful. How could it be that the days are flying by? Yaakov had a deep understanding of who Rachel was and how she would be his shlema. She would be his his basharit, so to speak, and she would be the one to be mashlam him. Yaakov is the av who represents Torah. He represents the kayach, the perfection of the kayach hadibor, a person could bring out in this world. Rachel represents the kayach of shtika. Rachel is the one who doesn't say. She doesn't say, she doesn't reveal to her sister that she's the one who's supposed to be it. Rachel is the one who constantly represents the perfection of not talking and holding things in. Yaakov realized Rachel was his basharit, and she was going to be the one that together with her he can build Klai Yisrael. He can make shvatim. Yaakov realized that he, if he wants to do that, he has to perfect himself for seven years of working and making sure not to, so to speak, be negligent. Yaakov perfected himself for seven years before he was ready, so to speak, to start building the shifte ka. And Yaakov, his love for Rachel comes out was actually a love of her. He recognized who she was. He loved her. And he realized what he, what he wanted, so to speak, what was supposed to happen over here. And that's why these days flew by for him, because he was accomplishing something with every day that was going by. And we have to look at these, and we recognize what we're talking about, the Avais. If we read it at face value, and we, and we belittle the Avais and bring them down to our level, of course nothing's going to make sense in the parasha. We have to recognize who we're talking about when we read these parashas and realize who the Avais were and what's going on over here in a deeper sense. I want to end off with one last part. Yaakov, you know, Hashem appears to him while he's at Lovin's house. Hashem says, it's time to go home. 
Time to come back. Siakov calls Rachel and Leah out to the field where no one else can hear them. And he tells them that Hashem appeared to me, so we have to go. We have to go back to my parents' house. We have to leave. And Rachel and Leah say something interesting. They say, they answer him back and they say to him, Do we even have any portion left in our father's house? He treated us like strangers. He sold us off. He ate all our money. All the money that he we, we have, Akash Baruch Hu saved from him. Now, and therefore, everything Hashem says to you, do. And you look at the puzzle again, it's very strange. Yaakov told him, I got a nevuah from Hashem. Akash Baruch Hu came to me and told me, go home. And now, why is Yaakov telling them? Apparently, you tell your wife, you know, we're going to pick up, we got to leave, you got to tell her. But they start telling you, no, yeah, I think it's a good idea, anyways, you know, because either way, my father's annoying, and I want to deal with him, he's stealing our money. Hashem said to go. What, 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 what is going on over here? Says the Levi Leo, shots as follows. We always think that Akash Baruch has to do something, and we have to be moist nefesh. It's hard, it's painful, we don't want to do it, but Hashem said we'll do it anyways. Says the Levi Leo, the positive teaching is not how you're supposed to do it. Yaakov is telling them, Hashem said to do this, they go, it's the most amazing thing for us. What Akash Baruch was telling us to do, that's the best, best thing for us possible. You see, our father doesn't love us anyways. He stole our money anyways. You're supposed to be mocked in the Nisayan. A person is supposed to stop and think and recognize how the tzivu of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mitzvah, is really the best thing for him. Yes, there's sometimes where he won't be able to see it. Sometimes where it seems painful, and he has to be in Nefesh. But as a general rule, the way a person is supposed to deal with the mitzvah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is to stop and to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants what's best for him. And this is the best thing for me possible. And a lot of times it's very obvious. A lot of times a person takes a step back and he recognizes that not living a non-firm lifestyle is good. It's, it's good for me right here in this world. I have a happier existence. I'm a better person. I enjoy my life better. And the more a person could do that, the more a person can stop and appreciate how every single mitzvah he has, how living a firm lifestyle is enjoyable. It's good. It's a Baruch Hu taking care of me and he's giving me the best lifestyle and saving me for myself. The more he can do it, the more he can tap into the goodness that Baruch Hu is giving him, the easier it will be and the more of an aliyah he'll have from every time he does a mitzvah. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos.